Um, good, we are in Exodus uh, for part two, I think. Well, we had the introduction, then Colin did part one. Uh, this week, we are in chapters three and four, um, which are long. And so we won't be able to, we, we can only skim on the surface and pick out one or two things. Um, and really, uh, Exodus is such a great book. There is so much in here. So can I encourage you to be reading Exodus not, you know, in the rest of the week. If you're going to um, really get into it, you need to be reading it in the week. You need to be ready. Um, and next week, it, we, it really ramps up. We're easing you in slowly. Only two chapters this week, three and four. Next week, Al has to do chapters five to 11. So just to help him out, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. But just to help him out, uh, you need to read that in advance, okay? But it is a fantastic book, and there is so much here. Um, good plug. Yeah, thanks. Um, and oh, especially chapter three, this is really amazing about encountering God and Moses uh, at the burning bush, his conversation with God, which is so helpful to us, I think. So uh, let's begin by reading um, from the start of chapter three. We'll see how far we get. We haven't got time to read it all. Okay. Is it on the screen? Yes. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, but I on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And then just uh, flicking on to the beginning of chapter four, then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord didn't appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. 
So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you take from the Nile shall become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in um, the past or since you have spoken. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But Moses said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. I don't know if he said it like that, but. Uh, We're going to stop there. As you know, the story goes on and actually Moses, of course, having wrestled with God, does obey, goes and the, well, we'll come on to the rest of the story next week. But what I want to talk to you about today, I just want to pull out probably three things out of this, just in terms of that sense of God encountering Moses and Moses wrestling with God. Because You see, this is the reality of our relationship with God. And actually, in the five minutes I've been in the room before I started, I I think I've heard most of this preach already in many ways. But so God is speaking to us for sure. But, you know, looking back on the life of Moses, looking at the whole, we kind of think of Moses as this great, amazing guy. He's one uh, one of the giants in the Bible. He's faithful to God. He does what he's supposed to do. He has this amazing task of bringing the people out. What a guy. And yet the great thing about chapter three of Exodus that I love about this is you get the reality of the man. You get he's wrestling with God and saying, really, I, I just don't want to do that. I don't think you know. I'm not up to this. I'm a mess. By the way, I ran away from Egypt. Do you remember the story before? He killed an Egyptian. Um, he got himself into all sorts of trouble. In the end, Pharaoh wanted to kill him. And so he had to escape. Even the Israelites, his own people, weren't happy with them because he started uh, trying to Um, sort out disputes between them and they didn't like it. So actually he kind of hasn't got favor with the Egyptians or with the Israelites. And God's saying, I've got this big task. And Moses is saying, really, do you understand who I am? I I thought this was what I was about once. I thought I was about something in you, God, but now I'm just in the desert and I'm looking after my sheep and I've realized what a broken person I am. And now you get the reality of that, which I love so much. Isn't it interesting that the Bible's um, assessment of Moses' life, looking back in Hebrews, is that Moses was faithful, was a faithful servant, it says, in all of God's house. And yet we see the reality of this picture. And don't you find that so reassuring that even a man like Moses wrestles with God in this way and pours out before him all his inadequacies and fears and his own sense of how Um, weak really he is. And if there's nothing else from this, what an incredible reassurance that God sees that. And and yet his verdict on Moses' life is a faithful servant in all of Who am I? What shall I say? They won't believe me. I'm not very good at this. Please send someone else. And I want to highlight three things this morning, which I believe are really all key for this time that God has got us in right now. Because um, you will have heard us mention over the past weeks and months that, uh, that this sense that God is speaking to us about being in a new era. 
and we've had that prophetic word into our family of churches, regions beyond, that's come saying, you're in a new era, and I want to do new things, things that you haven't seen before. And not only amongst our family of churches, but wider as well, as well in the body of Christ, we're getting those kind of um, messages coming, and there's a sense God is doing, wants to do something new. And I so believe that, uh, as I've looked at this, that, that some of the key things are in here, and they're in the place that God wants to get us. And actually what God wants right now is to encounter us. And he wants our hearts. And he wants all the reality of that. He doesn't want us putting on a show or doing religion or kind of doing the things that people expect us to do. He wants the reality of who we are and for us to get before him with that. Amen. That is the starting point, I believe, of doing great things for God. That's the starting point of being where God wants us to be. And the first thing um, that I want to pull out in this really is this whole sense of, because, you know, sometimes I think that it's, it's not a place that we're that keen on, is it? Being in a, in, in a desert place or being in a wilderness place. And that might be all sorts of different things for different ones of us. You know, we might be in a wilderness in terms of uh, come, some kind of struggle in our circumstances, whether it be money or relationships or work uh, or health maybe, there are so many kind of wilderness things that we go through in life because in this life we have trouble, amen? That's what Jesus said, isn't it? But he's overcome the world, he said. But, you know, there's many wilderness type things that we go through and sometimes I think we're, our, our desire is just to get past that. We just want to get stuff fixed. We want to get it sorted. We want God to give us the answer that we want. We want to move on to being comfortable and things being sorted and things being how we expected them to be. But often God says, no, actually I've got purpose in this place where you are right now. And it's not the thing that we necessarily want to hear because it's not the most comfortable place. But that was the case with Moses that actually God had, he was 40 years in the desert, right? The Bible, if you look in Acts and hear Stephen's sermon about looking back on Moses, it says that he was actually about 40 when he ran away from Egypt. And when he goes back to rescue the Egyptians, that he's about 80. So there's 40 years actually in the desert. And we, we don't know a lot about it. This conversation with God is one of the key points. But actually God had, we believe, I believe, incredible purposes for God, to, for, for Moses to encounter him in the wilderness place. And often we want to run away and often we want to fix it. But God says, actually, sometimes I'm going to take you into those kind of places because I want to encounter you there. And, you know, often when everything is OK in life, it's not the times we necessarily get before God. It's not necessarily the times we realize our weakness and our dependence on God. And actually what God wants is for us to be dependent on him. Actually, what God wants is us for, for us to recognize that our ultimate need in life is to be with him is to lean on him, is to do things in his strength and in his power and not in our own. And actually, that's the only way. That is the kingdom way. And often God says, and I'm going to take you into a more difficult place because actually that's the place where you will stop and admit that I am God and you will seek after me. And it's not always a nice message. And it's not the message of our culture, which wants everything fixed and sorted and to move on. But God says, no, I want to meet with you. And there's people in wilderness, all sorts of those kind of places here this morning. And God would say, but what I want you to do is find me in that place. I want you to make enough space that I can encounter you. And I want actually the wilderness thing. What I want it to do is to cause you to. Amen. 
You know, he does it. God does this with Jesus even, doesn't he? And sometimes, you know, I think when we get into a difficult place or we're struggling, circumstances are difficult, whatever, we think, well, maybe I've done something. Maybe I've done something wrong. Is this my fault? Have I, uh, have I mucked it up? Is this why I'm here? I, if I was all fixed and sorted and okay, I wouldn't be uh, struggling with this kind of thing. But, you know, I, I think it doesn't work like that in the kingdom. Actually, with Jesus, God took him into the wilderness, having just said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. There was nothing wrong with Jesus right then, but he still needed to go into the wilderness. And the Bible says that God led him into the wilderness. The spirit led him into the wilderness. God had purpose. God needed to encounter him. There were things that Jesus needed to wrestle through before he then went on to do the things that God had for him. And he needed him in that, that, the place of barrenness, if you like, the place of struggle in order to do business with him. And Jesus came out, the Bible says, in the power of the Spirit. So he was led in by the Spirit and came out in the power of the Spirit. And there's tremendous purpose, I think, sometimes in those places where we recognize our own brokenness and we recognize our own weakness. Before, but, but bring it before God. And, and God wants the reality of that. He wants us to lay it out before him and say, God, this is who I am. This is what to do is to cry out to you and go, help, I need you. And, that, and God says, good, that's where I want you right now. So if you are in any of those kind of situations this morning, you know, if you feel like there are so many things that, are, that go on in our heads, aren't there, that, that are Moses-like, when we find him in the desert, you know, that we feel like we've missed the boat or we feel like we've mucked up, we've failed, we've blown it. We, we had to run away because we blew it. We, we had our chance. We don't know where God is. We, we, we have that, where's God in all of this? What's going on? I thought you had purposes for me, but it doesn't seem to be working out. I'm just hearing the, I can't hear your voice. All of those things that we struggle with. And God says, no, I want you to get before me. And there's a moment that we get to choose and God gets our attention. You know, with Moses, God got his attention uh, with the burning bush. And that God will use different things to get our attention. And the, the key question is, what will we do in that moment? How will we choose to respond to God? And the Bible says that Moses saw the burning bush and he turned aside. It's a really weird way that the Bible is written. He turned aside to see what this strange thing was. But you see, the point of that is that God got his attention, but Moses still had to make a choice in that moment to say, yeah, I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to make enough space in my life to encounter God in this moment and to let him do what he wants to do with me at this point in life. Amen. And I don't know if I've, I've probably said it here before, but I think um, as I've got older, as I've gone on in, in Christian life, you know, sometimes I think the older I get, the less I understand or the more of a mess I am. Because I think you come to terms with your own, the reality of who you are. And I think that's something of what's happening with Moses here. You come, you get exposed some more to your own brokenness and weakness. And God says, yes, good, because I want you to be dependent on me. Amen? So that's the first thing. The second thing is this, and it really follows on from that. And this is about our identity, really. And we live in a culture that is... 
desperately trying to find what is its identity. That, that's the big question. Who am I? Uh, what, what, what am I about in life? What defines me? And we have all sorts of ways that our culture tries to uh, put a definition on our lives. I am what I do. That's what defines me. Or I am what I've got. And so I acquire things. Or I'm okay because I'm in control. Or I'm defined by my successes that I've had, or maybe my failures. And all sorts of things around us define us in our culture, who we are. And you know, one of the amazing things about God's encounter with Moses here is that he completely turns upside down the way that he wants Moses to define who he is in life. Okay? And Moses says to God, who am I that I should do all these things that you've spoken to me about? Who am I that I should be what you've said? uh, These grand plans that you've got, you you should know what's inside of me. The answer to Moses' question, who am I, is not the standard thing that we would expect. You see, what we would do, I I think, is that we would say, we we would try to boost his self-esteem, wouldn't we? We'd go, no, Moses, you're a great guy. You've got this. It's in you. Come on now, go dig deep, dig deep inside. You're so good, really. You're gifted. I know you might mucked up, but hey, come on. Come on, we can do this. Come on, Moses, believe in yourself. He doesn't say any of that. It doesn't work on Moses' low self-esteem. What he says is, and it's a weird answer, but it's God's redefinition of identity. He says, I will be with you. Who am I? God says, I will be with you. And what God wants to say is, let I will be with you be the thing that defines who you are. Amen? Because you see, so often I think we go after God to try and do, to fill the gaps that we see in our lives. You know, we we, we want, we... When we feel like things aren't quite working in life, or we want a different job, or we want it's not quite working, or we're not quite happy, or we're not things are out of control, or they, we go to God wanting Him to sometimes, Amen. Because that's what the, the world around us does. And God says, "What I want you to be," and this is why the place of encounter is so key, because God says, "I want you to be defined by the fact that you're with Me." That is the thing that sets you apart now, not any of these other things, because all the I am's and the I have's in life, they can be taken away in an instant, don't you know? We just don't know what's coming down the road, but God will always be with us. And that was coming out at the end of the worship there. So define yourself by I'm the one who's with God. It doesn't matter what you've got because you're with him. And I heard a great story that uh, just illustrate this. It's not original to me, but... Um, you know, if I was to tell you that tomorrow morning I'm going to go to Buckingham Palace and I'm going to knock on the door and I'm going to say, and I am here to see the Queen and I would like to see her, I'd like to speak with her. I want to, and by the way, while I'm here, I'd like to have a good look round this palace, all, all the bits of it, please. And you'd laugh, well, you're laughing already. And you'd say, well, don't be ridiculous. You can't just do that. You can't just rock up and do that. But, you know, the thing is, that was true of Kate Middleton once. She couldn't just rock up there. But you know when everything changed? When she got married to Will. And now she's with him. And everything has changed. Her identity, and now she can just walk into the place. And you know, everything had changed for us with the moment that we got with him, with Jesus. And so it doesn't, so the other things mustn't define us now. What defines us is we're with him. Amen. I will be with you. And so the final thing, and they're all linked really, but uh, 
my plea to us in these days, and I think this is so key for where we are. I think that God so much at the moment is trying to get our attention and to say, I, I want to encounter you. I want your heart. I want the reality of who you are. I don't want religion. I don't want Sunday mornings, good as they are, good, great to be together. But if, if that's all it is, then it's not a great hobby, is it? But God wants to encounter us. He wants to do life for us. He wants, with us. He wants us to be defined by the ones who are with him and to leave enough space in life that we can encounter him. So there was a, a prophetic word that we um, had in the West. Um, Elizabeth Perry, some of you may know her, um, brought a, a word a few weeks ago. We didn't get to share it, but I, it's so good for where we are now. And this is what she wrote. She wrote, God saying, I want your heart. I don't want words. I certainly don't want lip service. I want your heart. Unreservedly, released, surrendered fully to me, willingly given. No ifs, no buts, no in a moment. I want your heart. It, it kind of follows on to what Daniel McLeod was saying last week that, you know, we need, our great need, I think, is an encounter with who God is in his majesty. Because the other thing that we get to learn about identity in uh, Exodus chapter 3 is the, who the, the, is the identity of God, which is equally confusing to start with because God says, I am who I am. Hello? But the point is God will not be defined by anything else. He will not be defined by our categories and the labels that we would like to put on him. He is above all of that. He's a holy God, but he wants to encounter us. And you know, one of the things I think that made the difference is Mo in Moses' life, and we read this in Hebrews chapter 11, it says this of Moses, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. And we need that. We need to encounter. We need to see him who is invisible. We need to get, put time aside enough and give our attention enough to the God who is invisible, who wants to encounter us, who wants to meet with us, who wants to be everything that we need. There was a really, I, I felt there was a really interesting picture this week that, um, uh, of just where where we're at sometimes, and the way that, and what God wants to do with us. Um, in that, we we set aside a prayer prayer room at the Trinity Centre, our building. But you know, over the last few weeks since the toy appeal, and this is nothing against the toy appeal, but it's got clogged up with stuff, and it's full of bags of stuff, and and we can't use it as a prayer room. And and um, Graham, who's on the site team in the West, uh, he, he just sent us a message on um, Friday morning, and and kind of said. You know, I really feel like we need to clear out the prayer room. And it's not so much about, and I, I was really convicted by this, and it really hit me. because It's not so much about the actual room. It doesn't mean we all suddenly have to go in the room. But the point is that our, our God space is so often cluttered with stuff. And God says, what I'm doing right now is I want your attention. Declutter that because I want to encounter you. I want to break in on you. I am who I am. Amen. You know, isn't it one of the most ridiculous things I think you ever hear people say about God is, you know, people who say kind of, well, I'm not sure about God. I don't know if I believe in God, but if there was a God, I don't think he'd be like this. I'm like, hello? I am who I am. You don't get to define me. But that God is also close. He's the one who wants to be with us. He wants to do life with us. In all the ups and downs, he wants to be everything to us. And he's calling us and he's drawing us in these days and saying, 
Come, won't you respond to me? Won't you spend time with me? Won't you pour it all out? It's okay. You pour out your insecurities. Pour out the mess. Pour out the failures. That's what Moses did. And Moses is Moses, if you see what I mean. I want the reality, but I want to meet with you. And that's how you do life ultimately. And that's what's defined you because you're the people who've been with God. You're the people who do life with God. Amen? You know, it's interesting that Moses' last two excuses before God, he says, Oh Lord, as in, I recognize who you are. You're the sovereign God. But I'm not very good at speaking. Oh Lord, I worship you. But please send somebody else. And you know, I think there's a moment in the encounter with God where he's saying, as you worship, what's the reality of your worship? And other things that actually I'm calling you to do and things that I'm prompting you with and things that places where you know that you need to obey or you need to change something or you need to respond to me. And you're saying, oh, yes, oh, Lord, I worship you. But actually, he's calling for a response of obedience. And he's calling for a response to something that he's pointed out in life or that you know that you need to do. And I just think there's a moment in that encounter where God says, and actually, this looks like obedience to me. And there may be things that you know are just waiting for you to respond to God. And he's saying, as you worship, will you bow before the one who is the I am, the one who made the mouth, the one whose power trumps your weakness, overrides your inadequacy because you're going to do it with him. Never going to do it on your own. And the things that we need to respond to him in, he will empower us to do. But we have to take a step. You know, when, he, when um, Moses had to pick up the, the snake to turn it into staff, God's power came, but God's power came when Moses took a step. And there may be some things where God's calling us to take a step. I just want to leave that with you this morning. But let's stand before God. Let's just lift our hands before him. Bring ourselves again. God was already doing this when I was talking about going into the things that we face, but going in with him. That, that's exactly the, the message. I want to pray that you would uh, encounter us. Father, I want to pray for our hearts in these days. Lord, I want to pray that we would truly be a people who wrestle with surrendering to you, who wrestle with that wrestle with making our identity the ones who are with him, the ones who are with the great I am, the ones who are with Jesus. Father, I want to pray that you would grab our attention in these days. I pray that you would grab our hearts, that you would get our attention. Lord, that we would turn aside when you prompt us and Lord, that we would truly encounter you. Father, we want to be a people who seek you. We want to be a people who do life with you. Lord, we don't want to be defined by the world around us or the things that it would want us to uh, squeeze us into its mold. Lord, we want to be defined by the people who are with you. And so, Father, I pray that you would come and seal this in our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that we would determine this morning that we are going to go after you.
that we're going to seek your face, that we're going to pursue the one who says, I am who I am, the holy God, the one who's above all other things. Lord, we want to pursue you. And those of us who are in a wilderness, if that's you this morning, if you feel like you're in a wilderness, you're in that place, I just want to pray that God would break in. You might not fix things right now in the way that you might ideally like, but I believe that there's things that he wants to um, speak to you. There's things that he wants to do with you. He wants to reveal more of himself to you. And he will be all that you need because that's his promise. And so, Father, I want to pray for those who are in a wilderness place, whatever that looks like this morning, that you would come by your spirit, that you would come, the great alongside one, that you would come and bring peace and joy, that you would come and bring encounter with you. Reveal yourself, oh God, I pray, that those might be transformative places, as it was for Moses, Lord, that we might be transformed by encountering you, even in the place of struggle, the place of brokenness, the place that feels like failure, Father, I pray. Encounter us in those places. And Lord, give us just that honesty before you and before one another to say, Lord, we need you. We're dependent on you. We want to come out of this leaning on you, fully leaning on you, Lord. That's where you want us, Father. And I pray you'd help us to learn that lesson, that we are ultimately dependent on you. We love you, Lord. Go with us. Fill us with your spirit. We put this week before you. We surrender it to you. We say, Lord, be glorified in it. Go ahead of us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.